All right, that's enough of that. Let's go ahead and chat. I haven't done a podcast in a while. You start with something that's been going on in the background of videos lately that people may not know about. Shadow, and there's Lily Bell. And while everybody knows who Shadow is, Lily Bell is the cat who probably appears the least in my videos. She's a nice enough cat, but she really hates Shadow. Now, the funny thing is that there are numerous times where I have to stop videos, pause videos, that it's because cats are growling and hissing and fighting. The funny thing is, none of them have a scratch on them. So it's all verbal. It's all arguing. It's it's all just, I don't like you. Yeah, I don't like you either. Yeah, well, I don't like you either. It's really aggravating. Um, it's not actual fighting. We hear actual cat fights outside, and it's a completely different sound. And when there's an actual cat fight outside... Um, the cats get all agitated the funny thing is there hasn't been a cat fight in our yard in a while and i think it's because it's reached the point where when they start talking about it i just open the door and let my cats go out and deal with it so they know they can't fight in our yard anymore because i let the policeman out to deal with it and and what's weird is that of the cats pixel's kind of the most dominant in the house but when they're outside dealing with other cats she cowers and it's shadow that goes out and puts the other cats out of the yard even though in the house he is a giant wuss which is why he tends to seem to chew his fur out i think he gets stressed and he chews but anyways um other than that he's a healthy cat and seems to be well well adjusted and happy um i wanted to talk a little bit with you guys today as we head into the deadline uh the deadline's a little over a month away uh don't act like it's 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 far far away because it'll be here before we know it uh, first off, yes, there will be a podcast, or not a podcast, um, there may very well be a podcast on Deadline Day, <clears throat> but I know for a fact that there will be a, a live stream on Deadline Day. And the funny thing is that NHL Trade Deadline Day, I was asking for that day off from my regular job before I had a channel. I used to book Deadline Day off, and I would book the draft off of work. So I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to come in that day because I have to go watch the trade deadline. And that was before I had a channel. Um, and, and you know, it would be like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And people are like, you're, you're booking a Wednesday off? Yep. Why? I want to watch the trade deadline. Why? Because I want to watch the NHL trade deadline. It's fun. And then every single year I would go back to work and go, well, that really wasn't worth my time. But, hey, it was something different. So what are teams going to be looking for heading into the deadline and, and which ones are true contenders? Those are the questions I'm going to try to answer as best I can in this podcast for you fine people. Um, first up, the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I, I think the Ducks, while they've made some small moves, I think there's going to be at least one core move coming. I think Bob Murray's been pretty vocal about the fact that uh, he doesn't think that the, the locker room as it was constituted was good enough to win. So with that being said... Uh, I, I think there's more moves to come. Do I view them as a contender? No, but John Gibson is a goaltender that can steal a series. Uh, Gibson's a guy who we may very well look at after this playoffs and say, wow, you know, Anaheim should have been should have been dead. And how could they have taken out, whether it's Calgary in the first round or whoever, because um, they're going to end up being a wild card. So it would either be probably Calgary, maybe San Jose. San Jose could still win that division. Uh, or Winnipeg over in the uh, 
the Central is most likely to win it, although Nashville's not out of it either. But one of those four teams, you know, if they lost to Anaheim in the first round, A, it would be an upset, and B, it's likely because of John Gibson. Uh, Arizona. Uh, Arizona's obviously in in the mix. But do you, do you buy if you're John Chaka? I don't think he sells. I think if anybody's expecting Arizona to be sellers, I think they're going to be surprised. I, I kind of feel like Arizona's going to mostly stand pat. Uh, no, I don't view them as any kind of a contender at this stage, but they're in much better shape right now than they were, say, last year at this time. Boston, uh, I think Boston fashions themselves as contenders. As a Bruins fan, I have to say I, I'm, not, I'm not on board with that. Uh, I, I do think that they can finish second or third in the division. I also think they could finish in a wild card spot. I also think with how absolutely insanely brutal these is they could end up missing the playoffs but we're talking trade deadline trade deadline i think they'll probably pick somebody up it's not going to be a rick nash type of deal but i think they'll pick somebody up and then uh whether or not they're contenders honestly i could see them winning around i can't see them winning too uh buffalo buffalo is going to be very interesting at the deadline i don't think they're in the buyer category yet because i i don't think that they're in a position to start selling off younger assets to go for a run here. I think that Buffalo is going to end up being uh, a team that probably makes a couple of hockey trades that make sense to improve the team a bit. And at the end of the day, they're not a contender yet, but they're, they're again, much like Arizona, they're in a much better position right now than they were uh, a year ago. Calgary, Calgary absolutely are contenders. Uh, they, they have a scary amount of offense. I, I think at the deadline, we'll see them pick up a couple of veterans. Probably one up front, probably one on the blue line. Um, you know, obviously, it's going to have to be something that works under the cap. It, it may very well be just pure rental category, but uh, they're absolutely contenders. I, I really I don't think anything's going to happen with the goaltending. I know, uh, you know, I talk here and there about Mike Smith, but I, I got a funny feeling that it's going to be Smith and Riddick right up until the playoffs. Uh, Carolina. Uh, they're buyers. Uh, I think the Niederreiter trade shows that they're they're trying to improve their goal scoring. I was watching Hockey Central today, and Doug McLean and Brian Burke both kind of laughed about the Niederreiter uh, Rask deal that was made. I will say this, Nino Niederreiter, it seems like people are forgetting he has nine goals and 14 assists this year. Those aren't, like, huge totals, and he's not he's not playing his best game this year, but... The fact that he is still putting up points and goals where it's, it was well known that Bruce Boudreau couldn't stand him, that says something. So just going to Carolina should free him up and he should be a better scorer in Carolina than he was in Minnesota. And for Rask, he needed a change of scenery. So while it's easy to kind of scoff and go, well, these guys are both overpaid, if they perform like they can from here till the end of the season, they're probably not. But I don't think Carolina's done. I think we're going to see more offensive guys go to Carolina. Why not Josh Hosang? Like Josh Hosang, who we keep hearing, you know, he has all this offensive potential, but it gets wasted by Hosang's drama. Why not see Hosang go to Carolina? Would uh, would the Islanders move him within the division? Hosang's supposed to have all this great offense, so Carolina wants that. It could be a good ma- uh, a good um, marriage. Chicago, I, I think they're going to sell. I think that while Chicago is still technically in the running, I think they're going to sell, and and I don't view them as a contender. I don't view Carolina as a contender either because while I love the McElhinney story, I, I can't see Carolina doing anything in the playoffs if they were to get there. Colorado, 
Uh, Colorado has problems. Uh, that first line has been great, but teams seem to be starting to figure it out with Colorado. Um, their record over the last month shows that they've figured out Colorado, and they seem to be starting to figure out that first line. As deadly as Rontanen, Landeskog, McKinnon was early, uh, they've been getting more frustrated in the last couple of weeks. And if that continues, then Colorado could very well find themselves out of a playoff spot. The problem is, of course, it's the West where, it, yeah, it's the West. So, Avs, uh, I don't see them as a contender. I don't view either of their goaltenders as a guy who can win four rounds either right now. Varlamov looked great in the early part of the year, has not lately. So, moving on to Columbus, they're contenders. I really believe that. I think there's something going on with that team. There's something percolating under the surface with Columbus. I've talked about how boring as a franchise they've been over the last 20 years. But you know what? That that may very well be breaking this year. And I could see them going on a run. I can't see them trading Panarin, but I can see them trading Bobrovsky. I could absolutely see Yarmo Kekalainen trading Bobrovsky. And, and again, it comes back to that uh, blow up after he got pulled last week. Yes, they're saying everything's fine. It's not a big deal. We're not, you know, everything's good. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. But privately, I, I could see Tortorella and Kekalainen saying, okay, we can go with Corpy if we have to. Uh, we can move Bobrovsky. Bring in assets to help us with the rest of the team. Probably a first-rounder, this kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I do see them as a contender. There's something going on with Columbus. They are hard to shut down. They have a lot of depth. Dallas. No. Uh, I think Dallas is going to try buying at the deadline. Uh, that makes me nervous. If they ship out draft picks, I'm nervous. Now, if they ship out a Gurianov, I'm not overly upset about that. If they finally pull the plug on Nachushkin, I'd probably be pretty happy with that, to be honest. But I, I get the feeling that Dallas is going to try to go for it because they kind of need to. Uh, I think Jamie Benn... At this stage, I think there's a lot of miles there, and I'm I'm not sure that his best hockey is ahead of him. Detroit, well, let's be honest, they're selling at the deadline, and they're not contenders. Edmonton, uh, I, I get the feeling that Chiarelli trying to keep his job. I think he's going to keep making moves. I think he's going to make moves to try to improve the team for a run now because he can't afford to go to ownership and go, all right, so it didn't work again. But I've got a plan again, and it, I know I know my other plans didn't work. But here's okay. So we're gonna trade McDavid. Wait, what do you mean I'm fired? I didn't even tell you what I'm getting back. Okay, so these there are these two draft picks that St. Louis has. No, yeah, no, I'll see myself out. Um, Florida, and and I don't I don't see Edmonton as a contender. It's the goaltending argument again. Does does a team have a goaltender that can get them through four rounds? Which brings us to Florida. 14 points out of the playoffs. They're sellers. I don't know what the hell's going on with Florida. I don't know who you sell. I don't know what you do. Um, it's it's a, a disaster in Florida. And, um, yeah, that goaltending, it's, it's been scary for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Kings, you know, it's funny with the Kings. It would be easy to label them as sellers. But I don't know that they've given up on this season. I really don't. Uh, that team that went in and beat Dallas last night, the team hasn't given up. Now, whether management has or not, I don't know. But the team definitely hasn't given up. They probably see a mediocre West, and they go, you know what, we can get in there. And if LA gets in, anything's possible because Jonathan Quick, when he gets hot, one of the best goalies in the league. So we'll see. Uh, Minnesota, Minnesota's in trouble. 
they're an older team. It, it does seem to be affecting them as the season goes along, whether it's age, schedule, whatever it is. There seems to be something going on that's uh, that's um, it, that's that's unique to Minnesota, anyways. So I guess for me with Minnesota, the the question mark that I have is, uh, does Paul Fenton see the team as as contending or does he have to sell things off? Eric Stahl is going to be very interesting because Eric Stahl, of course, UFA this summer. He's shown signs of his his point totals uh, dropping this year from last year. That being said, he still has 14 goals. He's on pace for about 20. Do you let him go? Do you sell him out? Do you, do you sell him off to somebody? Or do you keep him around? And and you know what message does it send to the team if he decides to move stall? I'm I'm nervous about saying that they have the goaltending too because Dubnik, uh, while he was very solid last year to start the series against Winnipeg, he's had his stops and starts this year, and I I have some questions about him. Uh, Montreal Montreal is absolutely a playoff team. Uh, I I don't want to label them as a contender because I I don't know that I think there's a lot of young guys here. I think there's a lot of uh, unproven playoff talent here. Uh, Carey Price is a guy who can win you a round. He's a guy who can win you two. Can he win you three? He hasn't to this point in his career. Doesn't mean he can't. Uh, I think that if he comes out of the All Star break and and if he's the old Carey Price from 2014 2015. Uh, all bets are off, but uh, a lot of it's going to depend on Max Domi uh, maintaining the, the goal-scoring prowess he had early in the year that seemed to go away from him. And I think the blue line, I think they could use to pick up a guy or two. I could see Montreal being buyers at the deadline for a rental and two, but probably nobody, probably not anybody who's going to be anybody major. A couple of uh, smaller names, I would think. Uh, Nashville. Nashville is in win now. They they kind of have to. Uh, there's there's not there's not really much choice here. They have to win now. Uh, there there is there is no no plan B here. If they don't win now, uh, I I don't know with Nashville what you do going forward. Do they just go to Saros next year if it falls apart this year? Uh, does does Rene yield more starts to Soros down the stretch? I do think Nashville's going to be all in on this. They don't need help on the blue line. And yet, uh, I would be very surprised if they don't add depth up front and depth on the blue line because it's what you do when you're a contending team. And you usually pick that up for draft picks, which Nashville would be probably more than willing to do. They're contenders, yes. Favorites, no. Uh, New Jersey... Uh, the question was asked on Twitter, and somebody tagged me in it, uh, what's happened to New Jersey? There are a lot of things that have happened to New Jersey, and uh, I, I do plan on doing a video about it. I want to do videos over the uh, the um, over the, the All-Star break about where teams are now compared to where they were last year, what's gone wrong, what's gone right kind of videos, and uh, maybe make a little mini playlist out of it throw it out there and then we can look at the end of the year and see which teams turned it around and which ones didn't i don't see new jersey turning it around Uh, i do think they're going to be sellers i think brian boyle could bring you back a pretty decent return if they decide to move him uh i also think that uh they they have an interesting decision to make and goal 
Uh, should Corey Schneider come back healthy? Can they find a market for him? How much salary would they have to eat to get somebody to take him? And uh, what what is their roster going to look like next year as a result of moves they make this year? Because New Jersey, there's not going to be a, a an appetite for just a full rebuild because they don't need it. They've got a lot of good young players. This is about just retooling things and getting back to the playoffs next year. At least it should be. Uh, so I would expect... Some minor moves out of New Jersey here and there. I don't expect anything major. And no, not contenders. Islanders are contenders. Uh, they're contenders because of the guy behind the bench. Uh, Barry Trotz has turned that team around. I'm not not short-selling or underselling what Lou Lamorello's done either. Lamorello's brought in the right guys. There was some snickering and laughing when he brought in Komarov and Martin. But it seems like Matt Martin's got his game back to where it was when he was with the Islanders the first time around. And, you know, these are your support guys. You need that support. And it's something that the Islanders have right now. They have four lines. They have six defensemen. They have two solid goaltenders. They have everything they need. They don't have a weak spot. They don't have a guy that you say, well, as long as he's only getting eight minutes a game, we're good. They they seem to have have a really good model, a really good idea of what they're doing going forward. And... And they're doing it without Tavares. And and maybe Tavares saying, uh, to hell with it, I'm not going back to the Islanders. Maybe it was the best thing that could have happened to the Islanders. Who knows if they would be here if Tavares had stayed. Uh, Barzell's getting more ice time than he would have if Tavares had stayed. There's other guys who've got a more uh, significant role because Tavares left. I think it's helped the Islanders. Uh, yes, I see them as contenders. Uh, Lou Lamorello, I expect him to be conservative. But I also... I expect, um, I expect to see some kind of significant move. I want to say adding somebody up front, but most teams will look for an additional blue liner because going through the 82-game schedule, if you project yourself as a playoff team, you're going to need seven, eight, sometimes nine NHL-level defensemen. Pittsburgh went with nine at the deadline a couple years ago, which made me say, wait, what are they thinking? That was a smart move because when injuries happened, you had NHL-level guys who could step into those roles. Uh, Rangers, not a contender, definitely a seller. Where does Zuccarello go? How much do they get back? Um, and and with, with Lundqvist clearly in decline at this point, how soon is it that they, they have that starting goaltender? It's not going to be Georgiev. He's not going to be the future starter. Uh, Georgiev is going to be a serviceable backup, I think. I don't think he's he's got starter pedigree, but we'll see, right? Uh, Ottawa, well, they're definitely not a contender. The, the trick with them, of course, is not winning the draft lottery. They're the only team in the NHL hoping that the draft lottery doesn't fall to their draft pick since their draft pick belongs to Colorado. So Ottawa is going to be looking at the deadline for a few things. And it's interesting because they're trying to extend Duchesne. They're trying to extend Stone. They are trying to extend um, Dezingle as well, as far as I know. Although I don't hear much being said about Dezingle. And every time I see Stone, Duchesne, Stone, Duchesne, I think Dezingle has 19 goals and 35 points. We need to start talking about Ryan Dezingle a little bit more. Now, it's tricky, right? Because Dezingle has never shown this scoring acumen until now. So it is quite possible that what we're seeing is kind of fool's gold. Next year, Dezingle might be a solid 15-20 goal scorer, 35-40 points for the season. And if he gets paid based on this year's production, he would then be overpaid. But Ottawa needs to make that decision now and, and figure it out from there. Uh, I, I do think they're going to be trying to move pieces at the deadline. I think they're going to try to get a first-round draft pick. I don't think 
they have solid odds of getting that unless they decide to move Craig Anderson and find somebody uh, somebody else in their in their their prospect system somewhere that they can throw in to maybe sweeten that pot and make it a first round pick. But it's it's a reach, absolute reach to include first round draft pick when thirty seven year old injury prone Craig Anderson's going the other way. Injury prone this year, anyways. Um, so yeah, the Senators. It's going to be interesting to watch them the rest of the way because again, when a team doesn't own that draft pick, they're not looking to sell. There's absolutely no reason to tank. So we'll see what they do. Philly, uh, Philly's going to end up selling. Uh, they're in the uh, unlikely position of selling after a great year. But again, they have the up year, down year, up year, down year. So remember, next year uh, when we start doing previews, uh, take the over on Philly because they'll probably be pretty good next year. Although there's some question about their blue line because Carter Hart solidified the goaltending, which seems to make a big difference. But I, I still have some question marks about the blue line in Philadelphia. Not contenders. And obviously Ottawa wasn't either. Uh, Pittsburgh, they're always going to be contenders. And it's interesting because I was looking at numbers. Crosby has a plus 19. Plus minus doesn't mean a whole lot. But when you look at it this way, Crosby's a plus 19. Malkin's a minus 16. I made the argument years ago. And, and I got just just burned for it, and rightfully so, probably. Uh, that that Malkin and Crosby as a one-two punch is great, but you could probably get back a King's Ransom if you decided to move Malkin. And, you know, when I, when I look at those defensive numbers for Malkin, I'm thinking he's not having a very good year. Now, there's been reports of certain distractions, which is understandable, and that, that kind of thing happens, but Malkin's year uh, started off fantastic, and it's really gone off the rails. So I'll be interested to see what happens with him from here if those numbers continue to trend in that direction because it, it definitely makes it look like Crosby is the guy in, in Pittsburgh even still and that uh, he's probably going to be the guy for his entire run in Pittsburgh, I would think. Uh, and, and in the middle of it is Phil Kessel, who's just you know happy not to have to be the guy, I would think. But they're, they're definitely contenders. I don't care where they finish in the playoffs. If they're the number two wild card, they will be the most dangerous number two wild card we've seen uh, since Nashville in 2017, anyways. But it's it's a it's it's a tough tough go in the East because Pittsburgh could find themselves out of the playoffs and with 95 points. Like it is, the East is really really difficult right now. Um, I do think they make moves at the deadline. I, I think there's going to be rentals coming in. I think there's going to be guys going out too, though. I get a feeling there's probably at least one more hockey trade coming, and then they're going to be looking at who they can bring in to, to bolster their roster going into a playoff run. San Jose, absolute contenders. Uh, one of the better teams over the last three weeks, definitely. Uh, they, I, I think, are going to load up a little bit at the deadline. Uh, Martin Jones is a bit of a question mark, but he seems to be turning things in his direction right now. And San Jose is going to be looking for some measure of revenge. If it's San Jose and Vegas in the first round, watch out. That's going to be one heck of a series. Uh, St. Louis, obviously not contenders, uh, but, but they're not that far out of the playoffs either. They're close enough that I could see Doug Armstrong saying, "Okay, we're we're gonna go out, pick up some assets, and see how good we can we can make this work." If if they can somehow 
salvage the season and St. Louis makes the playoffs in, in a mediocre uh, Western wildcard hunt, uh, that would be quite the story, even though, again, it is a mediocre wildcard hunt in, in the West. But it would be quite the story if St. Louis somehow made the playoffs. And for that reason, I don't see them selling. I know that's where a lot of people see them, but I, I don't see it. Because, again, with the right moves, they could find themselves in a playoff spot. There's a lot of money to be made if you make the playoffs. Those gate revenues are pretty solid. Your concessions are pretty solid, too. So there's reasons that teams pull out all the subs to try to at least make the playoffs. Tampa, I don't need to say anything about Tampa. We know virtually every player on their roster. They're amazing. Uh, they they don't seem to have a weakness. There doesn't seem to be one. Uh, Toronto, contender, yes. Uh, last night in Tampa, they showed that they're, they're the real deal. And as if we needed to be reminded they were the real deal. Um, I, I do think Toronto's going to make a move at the deadline. I don't think it's going to be a big one. I get a funny feeling that Toronto fans will largely be disappointed at the deadline. And then I'm reading all these articles now about, well, don't worry about Nylander because we can trade him in the summer. We'll just trade Nylander in the summer if he doesn't work out. Wait, so the guy signed to $6.9 million a year for how many more years? And after a crap year, you think there's a GM out there going, ooh, I'll take it, I'll take it. Do you want a first and my best defenseman? I don't think that's the way it works. Nylander has to have the value in order for you to be able to trade him. I, and I think here's here's the thing, too. Here's my, my take on it. Last year, uh, Mike Babcock had problems with Nylander at times and would push him down the lineup. He had problems with Marner, too, push him down the lineup. And I, I remember thinking during the, during the time that he was shut out, I thought, you know, geez, when he comes back, so after the holdout, when he comes back, what if Babcock doesn't like his work ethic? What if Babcock decides I'm not screwing up my top six here on the third line? What if, like, what what if what if he throws things off? What if what if like all these things, right? And so I didn't do a video on it because it's just all speculation, and I don't want to get into that. But now here we are. He's played 18 games. He's got three points. And it, does does Toronto regret bringing him back? Would Kyle Dubas look at this at the end of the year? Let's just say that, that Nealander gets, say, four goals this year, about 12 points, which would be, I'm, I'm giving him more points than he's trending towards right now, so I'm not hating on him. Uh, and, and uh, you know, not kidding. What if, what if he ends up with those kinds of totals? Does Kyle Dubas, if you ask him at the end of the year, does he go, oh, I'm really glad I did it? Or does Kyle Dubas on some level think, geez, you know, I don't know. This, this is where being a GM is really difficult. And I know uh, we all want to be... Uh, the the armchair GM and oh this trade's good and this trade's bad and this trade's crap and this trade's great and and we want to make those calls all the time and definitely it's part of what makes the trade deadline and all the speculation so much fun but it is a hard job and evaluating talent isn't just a matter of evaluating this is where this guy is right now it's evaluating where he's going to be later evaluating your roster and saying this guy fits or doesn't fit and I I don't know that Kyle Dubas um, at, at and I'm not, I'm not going to say he doesn't have the experience because he's he's been a hockey kid his whole life. Like he is he is you know all about hockey and he loves his team. I do wonder, and some of what I see with him, if if he's got the emotional distance you kind of have to have between employer and employee. If if he's a fan of his players, maybe a little bit too much, and maybe that might cloud judgment on some level and i think that'll come out in the next couple of years um if if 
things fall apart in Toronto and if he's made promises. And again, the the thing that makes that I kind of find interesting too is that so he promises Nealander it's not a sign and trade, and and he's kind of promised Nealander he won't trade him. And what I heard from Dubas at the time he signed him was I will never trade William Nealander. Well, now fans have come out, and now there's other people, other people coming up going, well, he meant this year. He he didn't mean at all. He meant this year. That's not what I heard. What I heard was a GM saying, I've signed this guy for 12, 12 million years, and I'm never trading him. And that's why I reacted so incredulously. I would not have reacted incredulously if he had come out and said, I won't trade him this season. That's not... That's not in the in the cards. I would have respected him, but when he said, "I I I will never trade him," I thought, "Oh crap!" That's basically you're telling your coach, no matter what happens, if you guys have some kind of a rift like last year, that's on you. You have to fix this because I'm not getting rid of him. He's yours. So yeah, that's that's kind of. Uh, Kind of where kind of where I am with that, and it'll be interesting to see what they do at the deadline. Moving along, Vancouver. I'm nervous that Benning's going to try buying at the deadline, and I, I don't know what I'm basing that on. I'm nervous that Benning's going to make a trade at the deadline that looks like buying. Maybe it's because he did go out and get Beagle and and Roussel in the off season, and maybe it's because at the end of last year he said that he felt that if not for injury, the Canucks would have made the playoffs. Which I I don't I don't I, I don't. I, I don't agree with that, and and I say that as somebody who, even though the Canucks are one point out of the playoffs right now, I still don't see them as being that team for that second wild card. And and I'm almost at the point where I think you know one more year of missing the playoffs might be best for the team. And if they suddenly make it, it might be bad for the team long term. Great short term, bad long term, because it raises the bar, and then when you can't meet that bar the next year, uh, there's a lot there's a lot to like with Vancouver right now. Um, and and Quinn Hughes is going to be on his way soon. There, there's a lot to like. I think they need to draft one more blue liner. I think they they. I was saying before I thought they needed one more really premier forward, and I'm not saying that's not the case because one more and I think a winger would be great too. Just one more top six winger uh, would be great, but uh, they're they're not that far off. And I'm hoping he doesn't go out at the deadline and move prospects for rentals or, or buy on guys or take on a crappy contract. I was scared during the summer they were going to take on Jason Spetz's contract, which just would have been awful. Um, but, yeah, they didn't do it, so hopefully they don't do anything silly at this deadline. Vegas, uh, Vegas will be buyers. Uh, George McPhee, uh, you know, credit to the guy for what he's been able to build with Vegas. They're in year two, and they still look pretty darn solid. But... There has been a bit of a clawback this year, and I, I I do wonder how sustainable this is long-term with Vegas. And if if it's not sustainable long-term, if we're going to be looking at a, a downturn in the play of Marc-Andre Fleury next year or the year after, do you want to be selling off future assets right now? Or do you want to build up those future assets? Because, yeah, eventually some of these some of these guys are going to start to decline. Uh, it's it's a tricky position, and and I'm not sure which direction they're going to go. I I, I kind of would like to see Vegas just hold hold steady and not move that first round draft pick this year and just leave things as they are. But uh, I I guess you know there's there's no telling what might end up happening there because Vegas has been very unpredictable right from day one. 
Capitals. I expect them to uh, make a nice run at another. Oh, and Vegas is a contender. Um, Vancouver is not. They're not. Um, yeah, no goaltender that's won a game in the playoffs. They're not a contender. Um, pretty sure Markstrom's never won a game in the playoffs. Anyways, um, yeah, Washington. Uh, the, the the Capitals, I'm pretty sure Markstrom's never played in the playoffs. But anyways, Washington, yeah, they're going to go for, for two in a row. I, I expect deals to be made. I expect their first round draft pick to probably get traded. Um, I think they're 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 going to go in, and I think they're going to try to uh, really load up. I think when you look at that division, it is going to be really really tight. They're going to be looking for an advantage there. So they're they're probably it feels to me like Washington could end up making a deal where they pick a guy up they don't necessarily want, but they don't want Columbus, Pittsburgh, or the Islanders to have. So that could drive up the value for some of these guys at the deadline. Uh, Winnipeg, contender, yes. Uh, move at the deadline. Um, you know what's weird is I don't think Winnipeg really needs to change anything. I think they're good. I think one more depth defenseman, uh, just a number seven guy, just a guy to step in when there's an injury. Uh, I think, I don't even want to say a fourth line guy, but probably an extra forward. Uh, and I, I don't think there needs to be a whole lot else done. So I don't anticipate a huge trade deadline, but it's going to be fun because there are a number of teams you look at and you go, yeah, they're probably contenders. And then there's going to be some surprises like we had with Nashville a couple of years back or Ottawa a couple of years back where Ottawa almost went to a Stanley Cup final. Nashville went to a Stanley Cup final. There will be surprises. So there you go. All 31 teams. All done in about 35 minutes. Thank you guys so much for, for your, your listening. I will try to do the um, do these things a little more regularly. I apologize for that. Uh, but things, I'm having a, a pretty solid week. We are doing the uh, the search for a new home. Uh, it is, it is uh, stressful because we've given our notice for where we live uh, for the 1st of March. So we need a place. And, of course, what we're looking for is a... Um, ideally it would be a six bedroom house. Uh, we can do five, but ideally it would be six, three bedrooms up, three bedrooms down. And of course, staying right around where we are, uh, which means it's going to be pricey. Uh, but you know, due to the fact that you have, um, we have kids and we can't just move across the country to get cheaper rent or, you know, uh, be able to afford to buy a place. So we have to work with what we have, and this is it. And that's why we're choosing to rent as well. You know, eventually when we're older and the, the, the kids are gone, well, I'm going to be really old when the kids are, I'm going to be, like, pushing. It's 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 going to be a long time. But eventually if we look to buy a house, I can't see it being around here. Because even condos are, like, $400,000. Condo, that's just a fancy name for an apartment. I, I just I'm I'm stunned that people pay half a million dollars for a place that is in a building with so many other people and you don't get a yard. So it's it's just I, I get why people do it and I, I get the whole inflation thing and that that's just how it works. But man, for me, I I I want a house. I want a yard. I I I want you know a place a, a space of my own. And when you're in an apartment building and you're in a cramped cramped location, it can be uh, tough to see it as your own place. Uh, and I know from living in apartments for a very long time. Um, and any that's even though that the last apartment that I was in before where we live now, I lived there 15 years, and there were only two neighbors at any given point in time, one next door and one upstairs. And even then it was like, ugh, I want my own place. 
because uh, we didn't have a yard, and and that was frustrating. And uh, it's it's something we have with where we are now, and I'd like to keep when we move. So there you go. Uh, thank you guys for all your support, and for people who are looking at uh, the Brody Hints uh, tournament from last year and saying, "Hey, how can we get in on the tournament this year?" Well, good news. Um, it's going to be we're looking at Pit Meadows again. That's where we had it last year, and we're looking at. The weekend after Easter, so not Easter weekend, obviously, but the weekend after Easter. So that's where we're we're aiming at. We don't have an actual time and a date set right now, but that's where we're looking at. So uh, that should be fun. We've got uh, more members of his family coming in this time than we had last year, and uh, it's it's uh, it, it it's 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 a good thing to do, and I'm 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 glad that we're doing it again. So there you go. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.